opportunity to share in week eight of your parable series. And I just want to thank uh, Pastor Jason and Pastor Lori for getting me to come in. And uh, today I get to speak about stewardship and money. What a blessing. I love it. I love it. So get ready. But the parables for me are, are so much fun. Um, the opportunity to sit with Jesus as we read through Scripture The opportunity to watch as he invites the crowd, as he invites the disciples. And in this particular verse, he's also inviting the Pharisees and the Sadducees, inviting religious leaders into the story of the gospel. And it's such an amazing opportunity for us because the parables are timeless. The amazing thing about what Jesus is doing over 2,000 years ago is he's speaking to a culture that looks much different than ours. But the similarities are still there. The lessons are timeless. What we're going to read about today, Jesus is speaking specifically to a group of people for a specific reason. But the amazing thing about the gospel, the amazing thing about God's word, is that we can take what it was that Jesus taught 2,000 years ago and apply it today. I believe that God has something for us to learn today. I believe that God wants to speak into our lives. I believe that God maybe wants to make us a little uncomfortable this morning because that's okay. Amen? Right? It's okay to come open God's word and God says, you know, he's like, like pay attention, get in here. And so we're going to read today about a parable of the rich young ruler and the, the dishonest manager. And this is one of the parables that, that is a little more difficult to understand. As we read through it together this morning, you'll kind of see, and, and there's some confusing things. And even many theologians will say that this is one of the more difficult parables to dig into. But I believe that together we can dive into God's word this morning morning and walk out of this place like-minded together ready to transform not only our lives but our city and so the parables are an amazing opportunity where Jesus takes stories and presents everybody listening with an opportunity to learn something new he generally uses these parables to dig into a, a systematic issue that's taking place in the Jewish culture or sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll take the parables and he'll try to point out some beautiful, beautiful insight into the kingdom of God. Usually it's both. Right? Usually the parables are so deep and meaningful on the surface, they can seem like a simple story. But as you begin to dig in to Jesus' mentality, we have to remember that Jesus has been on, on earth for 30 years before God even releases him into his ministry. And so a lot of these parables come from Jesus' observation of his people. The Jewish people at the time, a lot of these come from, imagine you're Jesus, try to put yourself in Jesus' shoes. For 30 years, you've walked amongst this culture. For 30 years, you've attended temple celebrations. For 30 years, you've watched the Pharisees linger in their power. You've watched as, the, as God the Father, who as Jesus we know that he knew God the Father on a level unlike anyone else before, ever, or forevermore. Amen? And, and here Jesus is, I imagine him for 30 years just asking God, God, now? Now? God, we got to teach them. Can we go now? And so a lot of these parables come out of Jesus' experience, watching as the Pharisees and the Jewish people have lived within their culture. And the parables not only are deep, but they are meaningful. 
Stories are such an amazing opportunity for us to join in uh, to the bigger narrative. I remember my dad, uh, who is also a pastor. My dad has been pastoring in Kingston, Ontario, the same church for 27 years. That wasn't loud enough. Whoa! <laughs> it's amazing. We moved to Kingston when I was seven years old, and by the time I hit high school, I remember just waiting to come home one day to my dad saying, okay, God is moving us here, okay, we're heading to this church, but it never happened, and it still hasn't happened. And so I just honor my father for, for his ministry, and, and I honor the church that, that he's serving at. But my dad is a joker. And one of the things that my dad always used to do before my sister and I would go to bed is uh, we didn't share rooms or anything. And so this would be the time where my sister and I were very different people. uh, But dad would always bring us together in his room before bed. And he would tell stories of Barney the Moose. I don't know if any of you know Barney the Moose. If you do, you shouldn't, because that's literally uh, a character that my dad made up. But I remember every night my dad would bring us in. He'd teach us a new story of Barney the Moose. And it's not until you're like 19 or 20 years old that you actually realize that your parents are pretty smart, right? All the young people in the room are people that remember being young, right? Like there's a time where uh, all of these stories, I thought that they were just funny. At the end, every time my dad would close the story, it was a tickle fest, right? And so in the middle of the story, you're just ready. You're just waiting, right? And so like the story's going on, you're tensing up because at any time, dad's going to attack. But I remember at the end of every story and at the end of every tickle fest, we would close in prayer. My dad would pray over us. And in that prayer was always the moral of the story. In that prayer, my dad would always take time to reflect on some part of the importance of family, of some part of something that we had done during the day that my dad was like, now here's Barney the Moose. It's like, oh, eerily similar, like very interesting, right? And my dad would always close in prayer and he would always bring it together with the moral of the story. A lot of times with God's parables, it's similar. See, God knows our story. He knows what it is that we're going through. And at the time that Jesus was on earth, he cared deeply about the audience that he had. He cared deeply about the people that were around him. And so as we dig into the parable this morning, I just want us to remember that God loves us. That God loves us. That every single one of the parables that your church has gone through, the parable that we're going to talk about today, they aren't just teaching points. They're stories of love that invite us into the greater narrative of the kingdom that God is building. Amen? God is on the move, and he's asking us to join with him. At the time, the audience wouldn't have fully understood this, but today, 2,000 years later, church, we need to get it. Amen? We need to get it. We need to understand that these stories, they're not just uh, 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 for, for, for twisting the, 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 your stomach. It's not just to make you uncomfortable, but these are important lessons for us to grab a hold of today and apply to our lives from now to eternity. Because that's our story. Amen? Now to eternity. And so the parable this morning was meant to engage the audience. It was Jesus speaking in front of his disciples and in front of other religious leaders. And it is for a specific person. Can we stand this morning as we read God's word together? Let's honor God's word and let you just kind of shift your position this morning. The the verses will be up on the screen. Or if you want to turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 8, this is the story that Jesus told. 
says this in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. It says, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought against him, against the manager, that this man had been wasting his possessions, speaking of the rich man. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking away the management from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? The first debtor responded, A hundred measures of oil. So the manager said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. wheat." And he said, sit down, take your bill and and write 80. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. Wow. God, the opportunity this morning to know you a little deeper. God, we do not take this for granted. We honor you this morning, God. Thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you, God, for sending your son to teach us in moments like these, God. What was relevant 2,000 years ago, because your kingdom is eternal, can be applied today, Lord. And so I pray that you give us ears to hear, God. I pray that you soften our hearts this morning, God. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, that we together, God, would hear your word and leave this place new, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would have a a deeper understanding of who you've called us to be for such a time as this. God, we know that our city desperately needs you. God, we know that our families desperately need to hear your voice. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that as we uh, discipline ourselves, Lord God, as we follow in your footsteps, May your light ring out for this city. God, do something fresh here in Ottawa. Do something new here in our midst. God, we love you so much, and we thank you this morning. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Oh, God is good, amen? Amen. So what an interesting parable that we get tossed into. Like many others in the gospel, this one deals with stewardship. We see a rich man entrusting his wealth to the manager, and the manager has been reported for not dealing correctly with the rich man's possessions. It's important for us to know that as Jesus digs into this parable, the rich man is God the Father. The rich man is God the Father entrusting his possessions to us. Isn't it amazing that God wants us to be a part of his story? Like, have you ever really just sat back and thought, wow, me? Really? There's a lot of times where we look at the parables and, 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 and we try to place ourselves in these stories to understand what Jesus is trying to tell us. This story is, is so much bigger than just us, but it does include us in it. The fact that God wants to trust us with his kingdom takes my breath away. I'm reminded of, of, of the message that Jesus gave to his disciples After his crucifixion, he rose again on the third day and he journeyed with them and talked to them and and ate with them and and he lived with them again. And then eventually, as we get to the story in Acts, he tells the disciples, all right, cool, I got to go. What? 
Why? Because God's plan was for his son to come, to die, to pay the price that we so desperately needed him to pay. But his plan was to use us in the building of his kingdom. God in us, through us, for those around us. Amen? Wow. Wow. So that's why these parables are so important because we have to understand that Jesus, more so than anyone else, understands the end goal. Right? His teachings aren't just good advice. A lot of people will say, Jesus was a good teacher. I mean, I guess. He also said some pretty crazy things. He also said that he's the son of God and, 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 and predicted his death. Like, Jesus is not just a good teacher. Hello? He's so much more. See, the parable that we go through as Jesus begins to describe this, this rich man who, who as we dig in and we know the story that this is God the Father and begins to describe the manager who doesn't do well with the possessions. Jesus is not just teaching a lesson for the time, although it was very instructional to the people that were listening. He was teaching a kingdom principle relevant from now and then to eternity. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for us. And so the manager, he had been reported, and, and he was not dealing well with the rich man's possessions. And, and so the rich man comes and says, okay, you're done. You're done. And the manager, instead of, you know, apologizing or groveling for his job back, and instead the manager sits down and he says, well, if I can't be the manager of possessions, I sure don't want to work. I'm not trying to beg. I don't know. Just the, the gusto of this individual in this story. If the manager had come to me and said, listen, your job is done. You've done a poor job. I would feel terrible, right? I would want like, like a debriefing session. Like, what can I do better next time to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Not this guy, no. This manager says, all right, so I'm losing my position, but I don't want to work. Like, this was a great job. I'm not trying to work, and I'm not trying to beg. So what do I do? And he comes up with this ingenious idea that before his, his possessions and his management position is taken away, that he will approach those who are in debt to the rich man and pardon some of their debt. Now, the real confusing part of this, uh, of this parable is right at the end there, that last verse that we read, where it says that the rich man commended the dishonest manager's shrewdness. Excuse me? How is that a sentence? Like, what's going on here? We know that the rich man is supposed to represent God. So why is God speaking accommodation, speaking a, an encouragement to someone who is acting dishonestly? It doesn't seem to make sense. Simply because the, he made the best of a poor situation? Like, uh, simply because he used what was available to him to further his own goals? But it's dishonest work. It seems to stand in direct uh, conflict with verses that we read, such in Philippians 2, 3 to 4. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. So if this is in God's word, further into the letters that Paul wrote, and yet here we have a parable of Jesus saying, yeah, but look at this dishonest manager. He was looking out for himself. Good job. 
How can these two verses be found in the same book? Well, one thing that we know is that God's word does not stand in opposition to itself. Amen? One of my favorite things about the parables, I love verses. I, I'm, maybe I'm just weird. But I love verses and stories where you dig in and you're like, wait, what? Wait, God did what? And why and how? I love moments where I'm reading through the Bible and the Holy Spirit, I believe, or just my own, my own curiosity, but I believe it's God speaking in that moment, says, stop. Don't simply read past this to get your 30-minute Devo in. Hello? But stop and dig into what I have here because these words are deep and meaningful. And as we dig into God's word, we know, as we dig into God's word, we know that it has the ability to transform lives. And that was Jesus' purpose of this parable. So we know that God's word does not stand in opposition. Philippians 2 and, and Luke 16 are not opposite teachings. This is actually an opportunity for us to grow deeper in our relationship with God, our understanding of who God is, of what it is that he asks for us. We know that God is not looking to promote dishonesty. So what is Jesus saying that the rich man is actually uh, affirming here? How can the rich ruler in this, in this instance be, who references God commend a dishonest act? A lot of times in, in these parables, too, I get tripped up, especially when Jesus starts to talk about money. Anyone else? Woo! I'm telling you, right? Like, there's like you can talk to me about my heart. You can talk to me about how to overcome sin. But when it comes to my finances, it can be a little bit of a, okay, God, really? Today? We're going to do this today? Like, what about the next parable? My favorite thing is that the next parable deals with the same thing. So if you're reading through Luke chapter 16, like, this is just where Jesus is at right now. And we need to come alongside him. And so this parable isn't just about the dishonesty. It's not about this, but our focus and motivation of the manager needs to be taken into consideration. See, the manager was looking at what was available to him, and as he began to actually up his effort in the dealing of the master's possessions, what we see in these verses is that if he had actually done some of the things where at the end he decided to do, he may not have lost his position. See, the motivations of the manager here to not work or to not beg were, were completely focused on his own needs and his own wants in the situation. But as he began to work in that, he actually brought honor to the master in the dealing with the debtors. See, Jesus is going to bring this full circle in the following, in the following uh, uh, verses as he begins to contrast the sons of the world and the sons of the light. It says this in Luke chapter 16, just the next verse down. It says, For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generations than the sons of the light. Imagine being there and hearing Jesus say that. What? What do you mean? Aren't the people of God? The sons of the light? The people of the world are more shrewd and deal. Well, how can these things work together? We need to understand that the focus for the sons of the world is so directed to the here and now. You'll see this in the world that we live in, where people are, are, are desperate and trying to figure out how to secure more comfort. How to secure more education, how to secure more position and wealth and power to meet the needs that they find themselves in currently. 
Anytime that hard circumstances come, anytime that, that hard situations come, it always amazes me to watch people who don't know God be able to succeed in those moments. Have you ever had your breath taken away as somebody who doesn't know Jesus walks through the same thing that God has asked you walk through and you wonder how can they do it? Because I don't know about you, but if not for God, amen? If not for God. And so here Jesus is actually bringing us into this full understanding. He says, listen, as sons of light, we are called to a deeper path. We are called to a deeper path, and it is important that we understand our path because the sons of the world here, they understand their needs and their wants to such a deep level. The sons of the world understand their needs and wants to such a deep level that their shrewdness can actually be more effective than those who follow the light. Jesus is calling his listeners to understand That as he's been walking for 30 years, he has not seen an appropriate representation of the sons of the light. Hello? Don't forget who's in the audience. The disciples, right, who are following Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, right? If, If we fast forward to today, it would be the Christians, Right? Those in, 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 in religious power and influence. These are the individuals that he's talking to. He's, he's trying to challenge them and tell them, listen, you are called to something so much more. As people of the world are concerned with the here and now, as people of the world are concerned with simply making sure that they're comfortable and, and all these things, you are called to more. But we are still called to steward the things of this world appropriately. See, church, what we need to understand here in these, in these crazy verses is that as the manager actually began to relieve some of the debt of these debtors, what he was doing is he was actually bringing honor to the master. As he began to relieve some of the, de- the debt that these debtors had incurred, even though he was doing it for his own gain, he was actually doing what he should have done the entire time, which was bringing honor to the master. See, as we travel through this life and God entrusts us, because let's remember, every good thing, every good thing comes from who? God. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Amen? So every good thing comes from God. As God gives to us what we need in this life, and, and, and maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Mitch, I need more. Hey, okay, I get it. But what God has entrusted you with, for what world are you living for? It's such a meaningful question here because we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We have the religious leaders who are sitting there. And, and God, Jesus is speaking right to them. You are supposed to represent the Father. You are the manager. This is who he's talking about. You're the manager and, and you have not dealt well with the possessions of the rich man. See, of the parables that Jesus told, one-third of them deal with money in some way. Church, whether you're uncomfortable with it or not, God wants you to understand that he's invested in your finances. Well, come on. God wants you to know that he's invested in your finances. He wanted the world in which, as Jesus walked, he wanted them to understand that, that this world, it may not be our home, but how we live here matters. One day we will stand before God and give an account. 
of not just our words and our actions and how well we did or didn't do with sin, but also with what God entrusted us with. We will give an account as God said, hey, I blessed you to live in Canada. Just living there was a blessing. What did you do with that? I blessed you with that job and then that other job. I blessed you with those children. Every good thing in our life is given to us by God. All the good things in our life are given to us by God. And it's important for us to understand that in the here and now, we will give an account of what God has trusted us with. And he's challenging the Pharisees because, man, they've done a poor job. In these parables, we continue to understand that the world that Jesus was ministering in, much like ours today, was dominated by money and debt and power. Here we are 2,000, late, 2000 years later, and so many of our pillars of this community, are, of, our, of our country, are built around money and debt and power. My favorite part of these, of these parables is to watch as Jesus calls out the Pharisees, calls them to a different understanding of who it is that they're truly supposed to be. It says this in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 13. It says, that one, who is faithful with very, that one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the riches, to true riches, and if you've not been faithful in, what is in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Oh, no, like, isn't that so? Listen, I understand that we are called to this, and, and, and we need to understand that as God is, is, is teaching us and leading us through this illustration, church, we are called to look at our own lives and to say, Where are my priorities? Where are my priorities? Church, I want to remind you that the rich man, God your Father, has placed you in a position of management. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Why does God trust us? It'd be so much easier if he just did it. I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer over a loved one that doesn't know Jesus or over a financial situation where you just say, you know what, God, how about just you, right? Just come down. You want to rain some gold from the sky. Or God, if you could just tell them about you, if you could just show them and God says, hey, I love you. God wants to work in us, to move through us, because in some crazy kingdom-only mindset, God wants us to be a part of the celebration. God wants us to be a part of the celebration. See, here in these verses, the, 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 the manager, he is commended for his shrewdness. God does not, he says, he calls it out. See, sometimes as people are reading through this parable, they get stuck on the fact that, that Jesus makes, makes note that the manager is dishonest. But I actually think it's important that Jesus makes note of that because he's not commending the dishonesty. He calls it out in the same sentence. The manager is dishonest. 
But when his heart was finally focused, when his mindset was finally focused, honor was brought to the rich man. See, we are called to live in a position of honesty. Church, we're called to recognize that we have been trusted with the kingdom of God, that he wants to work through us, that this city needs to know Jesus. Amen? They need to know Jesus. Because if all we're doing is living to the age of 65 so that we can retire with a pension and we can take our foot off the, gra- off the gas and maybe go to Florida every summer and all these things, if those are our only motivations, man, what kind of life is this? But God has called us to more. See, we will not live until 65. We're going to live till 65 times 65 times 65 times 65 and on and on and on. Amen? That's our call. And so we don't live simply for retirement. We don't live simply for pension. We live with the understanding that what God has given us, we are called to sow and invest, transform it, multiply it. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Mitch, but I only have a couple loaves and a couple fishes. I don't have very much. The master hasn't entrusted me with much. Well, I want to let you know that Jesus found somebody who only had a couple loaves and a couple fishes. And he multiplied it. He fed 5,000. Whether you know it or not, that's your story. That God wants to take what you see as little and multiply it to feed this city. Right? Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, our city, our world, come on, is in need of God's healing. But you cannot serve two masters. See, one of the things that I just kind of let you in, and, and I always get razzed on this, I'm a big sports guy, big sports guy, I love sports, and uh, hockey is my sport, and, and, and I was thinking, how can I, I demonstrate this? And I thought, you know what, I'll just, all I really have to do is pull this out there it is. See, I get the reaction. I didn't, I didn't even have to say anything. I didn't even have to say, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, how do I build this, like, illustration and help people? And God just said, just pull it out of the bag. That man who I talked to you about who's been serving in Kingston for 27 years, this is his fault. All right, this is his fault. So don't, don't get mad at me. This is my dad. I actually watched the Leafs get eliminated from the playoffs once again, and I leaned over to my dad, and I said, what are you doing to me? Like, what did you, because my sons were sitting there and I was like, and now I'm doing it to them. But I've been a fan of this team for a long, long time. And, and you may think I'm going to bring up the Sens, but living in the city for so long, I actually have, you know, a bit of a soft spot for the Sens. So good on them. But I'll tell you what you can't do. You cannot wear this crest and cheer for the team that wears red and blue. Montreal and Toronto, it's like oil and vinegar. And if you cheer for this team, you simply cannot cheer for them. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how poor. Like, I just, you just can't. Church, when it comes to our finances, God has called us to a different team. And you may be here this morning saying, Pastor Mitch, but you don't know my financial situation. You're right. But God does. And he's called you to his team. That no matter the situation that you find yourself in, that you would trust the rich ruler, that you would trust the rich man in your life, that you would trust the father 
Understanding that he has called you to his team and what he has entrusted you with, if you will turn it around and trust him with it, he will multiply it. But if you claim to be on this team and you have money, cars, possessions, things that one day will pass and fade, sports teams, amen. If those are where your motivations lie, if that is where your focus is, I just want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today that as much as God wants to bless you with more, he will not entrust you with more. He will not entrust you with more if he is not at the center of your motivations. And so I want to challenge us today Canada Life Center again. I thank Pastor Lori and Pastor Jason for allowing me to share today. If you want to read deeper about uh, uh, the, the, the falses and true riches, I challenge you to continue to read down in verse 19, verses 31. And it says that uh, when it comes to all eternity, all the money in the world can't change one thing, but God can change our lives. Hallelujah. And so I want to ask you this today, church. Today, Will you be honest enough to admit who you're serving? See, the real fault of, of, of the manager in this situation is that he didn't have a full understanding of who the rich ruler was. The keys to the kingdom have been given to us through the Holy Spirit. As Jesus died and rose again, he looked to his disciples and he had taught them all of these things. And he said, listen, you don't have to do it on your own. Hallelujah. Church, we don't have to do it on our own. God has brought you into this place together. Amen? To lean on each other. But even deeper than the people that he has surrounded us with, his Holy Spirit is in us so that he may live through us so that others may see him. That's our call to build the kingdom of God with whatever it is that we've been entrusted with, to build the kingdom of God. So who is it that you're serving? Does your life as you know Jesus look different than those that you work with, that you walk with, that you talk with? Does it look different than, than how they're living? Are, are your motivations the same? Because I always look at people that don't know Jesus and as they're walking through different situations. I stand in awe of how they're able to make it. But I'll tell you this right now. I would not trade my knowledge of Jesus Christ for anything. Because as I walk through similar situations, I am able to lean on the unending power and love of my Father. And as my friends and colleagues and family members who don't know Him walk through similar situations, I stand in awe of their strength, but I always try to surround them with the love of the one who can truly make a difference. So who is it that you're serving? Are you willing this morning to surrender it all to Jesus? Are you willing this morning to say, God, take what little or what much I have and use it as only you can? Because as good stewards of God, he has given us this to remember in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, hallelujah. And from it we will await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body and be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 
Church, I just want to leave us with this final thought. And I'll close in prayer and pass it back over to Pastor Lori. We cannot be the Pharisees. Hello? <laughs> Maybe again it's just me, but there's multiple times where I'm reading the Bible and then I take a step back and I go, oh, wait, is that us? <laughs> like, whoa, okay, hold on. Is that us? Our culture will tell us position, power, wealth, self-satisfaction. These are the things that lead to happiness and contentment. But my Bible tells me that those are the things that lead to destruction. The two can't be true. Hello? Right? The two can't be true. And so church, I just want to challenge us today. We cannot be the Pharisees. We have had over 2,000 years to read God's scripture. There are way smarter men and women than me that have dug into and, and have theologically just, 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 oh. They have such a great grasp of who God is. And we get an opportunity this morning. These verses are confusing to me. I had to lean on people more smarter than me to get a clear picture of what God was saying. But that is what we're called to do. Amen? That's what we're called to do because we cannot be the Pharisees. Jesus lived 30 years and watched as people who were supposed to represent the Father did the absolute opposite. We cannot continue in that. He has called us to more. We are the church following after his example. And so when it comes to finances, I know that there are times where that can be difficult to, to talk about and discuss. But I just want to encourage you. I, I've been able to watch Life Center from a distance for 11 and a half years. You are in a good place here. Amen? Oh, come on. Amen? I mean, like, you are included in that. So, like, if you're not feeling like, like, you are a part of this, right? This is a good place, right? Come on. And God wants to do something here. I believe that we're at a tipping point. Spiritually, I've seen it. Been to two camps now. Watched as God has moved radically in young people. Visions, prophetic giftings. Like, just, ah. Oh. It makes the, the terrible beds there sandable when you watch God just move in an amazing way. But I believe that God not only wants to pour on his church spiritually, but I believe that there's a tipping point coming financially for the church. Why not? Why not? If God is going to invest in this city, why not through the church? Amen? Come on. But in order to do that in our city, we have to show that we are going to be good managers, that we are going to represent the king with each and everything that he gives us. And sometimes when it comes to the church, we forget that we individually make Life Center Kanata what it is. And so it's not just about what this building and, and the Life Center organization is doing, but it's about what you individually, as you carry Life Center, as you carry God's church on your heart, walk out from this place, what he has entrusted you with, give it back to him and watch as he blesses that situation. I believe that there is a spiritual tipping point, a financial tipping point. I believe that there are mental healings that God wants to do as depression and all these things seem to be uh, just so just so stuck on, on what it, what if we as a church took the parable of the rich, rich ruler and the dishonest manager and actually applied it to even where our thoughts go? if we surrendered that to God 
I look around at our city and I, I love Ottawa. I love it so much. This is home for my family and I. And my prayer is, is that all across this city, that we would understand that God has entrusted us with much, but that we are called to be sons and daughters of the light. To deal properly with his possessions in a way that brings glory and honor to he that has entrusted us. So can I pray for you this morning? And I'll pass it back over to Pastor Lori. I know that that's a lot today, but I just want to thank you so much uh, for listening. And I pray that God has spoken and, and that each and every one of us, myself included, um, go home, take a hard look at where our priorities have been and surrender them back to God. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. <laughs> You're absolutely incredible. I thank you for every story that's represented here of time and time again where you've shown up. But God, today we ask for more. God, we don't want to be the manager that's fired from his position, God. Lord, we want there to be good reports going out about what you've entrusted us with, that it's multiplying, God, that it's growing, Lord Jesus, that it's beginning to touch places in our city where people said, oh, God could never. Oh, the church could never, but yes, you can, God. Yes, you can. God, those people in our lives that others look at and say, oh, God, could, yes, you can. God, those financial situations in this room today, God, that seem overwhelming, that seem absolutely just, just, just insurmountable, yes, you can. You have before. And God, we proclaim today as a church, you will again. You have before and you will again. God, I pray for each and every person in this room. God, that we would entrust our finances to you, God. I pray that we would entrust our kids to you, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our passions and our drives, Lord God, that your name would be first on our lips. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. And so we ask this today, God. Do the transformation that only you can do. God, as, as we are, are challenged this morning to relinquish these things, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break chains this morning. God, I pray that you would be the God of release. So we love you and we honor you today, God, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, and Life Center said, amen, amen.